Amen. Let us turn now our confessional reading this evening, Lord's Day 27. And I was hoping that we would look at all three question and answers, but we'll just look at question and answer 72. Just question and answer 72, which is which is the question and answer that our text very closely relates to. So one short question and answer for this evening. I'll read question 72. Let's together say the answer. Does this outward washing with water itself wash away sins? No. Only Jesus Christ's blood and the Holy Spirit cleanses us from all sins. Then let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 3, page 1 Peter chapter 3, we'll be reading and considering verses 18 to 22. Let us hear the word of God. 1 Peter 3, beginning at verse 18. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight persons, were brought safely through water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. So far, the reading of the Holy Word of God. Dear congregation, of our Lord Jesus Christ, we do not always spell everything out when we speak. We don't always clarify every detail. Uh, Wayne Grudem, in his commentary on this text, he once used a simple sentence to illustrate this. And the sentence is this, Queen Elizabeth was born in 1926. Well, that statement is true, we could say more. We could clarify. We could spell some things out. We could say Queen Elizabeth II, who did not become the Queen of England until 1952, and who is no longer the Queen because she died in 2022, was born in 1926. Those sentences are both true, but we don't always spell everything 
out. We don't always go through the details. Now, brothers and sisters, when we come to the Holy Word of God, written by the Holy Spirit through human authors, we see the same thing. Sometimes we have very simple statements, which are true, but don't spell everything out. And sometimes we have statements of truth where some of the details are are spelled out right there in a, in a single long sentence. And when we come to this text tonight, we see, we see both of those things. We have a verse like verse 19, which seems to use the bare minimum of words. We say, what's going on here? Perhaps in our point of view, it would have been helpful at least to have a few more words. And then we also have a verse, like verse 21, where some of the details are expressly laid out. It is not left to question. It is explicitly stated and detailed. And so, brothers and sisters, we see in this text, especially in verse 21, that we are saved not by the washing of the outward sign of baptism, but by actual baptism by the work of Jesus Christ. And baptism relates then back also to the verses before it because they give us a picture which corresponds to baptism. And so our theme tonight is this, considering the security of actual baptism in Christ. And we look first in verses 18 to 20, at imprisonment versus security and the illustration which corresponds to baptism. And then we come to the security of actual baptism, verses 21 and 22, where it's explicitly detailed and laid out for us. Well, brothers and sisters, the surrounding context says much about the suffering that we are called to as believers. Look back just a few verses at chapter 3, verse 14, we must be prepared to suffer for righteousness' sake. And then looking ahead uh, at chapter 4, verse 1, therefore, uh, since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves in the same way of thinking. Because Christ suffered, you should be prepared to suffer. And this is the surrounding context. And in our uh, text in verses 18 to 22 so closely uh, put together, we see the suffering of Christ himself. Christ who suffered, verse 18, once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous. As the righteous God-man, Jesus had a suffering not like our suffering and a suffering which he only had to do once. He suffered once, the righteous for the unrighteous. Putting this together with the, with the surrounding verses about the suffering that we're called to have, uh, Travis Grassmith, an RCUS minister, once said it this way, quote, we must suffer for Christ's righteousness, but Christ suffered for our unrighteousness. End of quote. We suffer 
to serve our righteous king. Jesus suffered to save unrighteous subjects. This is uh, verse 18, and this is the first place in our text that we see a call to repentance without the actual word repentance being used. We'll see this at least three times as we work through our text. Because the word repentance is not used, but that word unrighteous is. It is so plain in Scripture. Jesus is righteous. We need his righteousness. We are unrighteous. We must repent. And then, what, uh, what is the result when we are trusting in Christ and made clean by his righteousness? What, is, what does that fix? Well, there's many ways to speak about this, but Peter focuses on the first problem which sin creates and on the solution which Christ brings. What is the first problem which sin creates? Separation from God. We might put it this way, that Adam and Eve, when they were put under the curse because of their sin, before they actually died, the first consequence they suffered was separation from God. They no longer had that special relationship in the garden with them. They were removed from God's presence. But what does Jesus do? Because he suffered once, he did this, that, middle of verse 18, he might bring us to God. And Jesus does this as the one who died in the flesh but was made alive in the spirit. And with that, brothers and sisters, we move from one of the clear and plain verses of our text, we move uh, to verse 19, which is not so plain. As Martin Luther once said of this verse, quote, a wonderful text this is. I do not know for a certainty just what Peter means. End of quote. And as it has been said, when Peter wrote about the letters of Paul in 2 Peter 3, verse 16, and said, there are some things in them that are hard to understand, Peter should have said, there are some things in my letters that are hard to understand as well. And so what do we do with, with verse 19? And he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison. Well, Brothers and sisters wrestling with this text, there are two basic categories that the views fall into. And the first major category is this, that the spirits are fallen demons. And sometimes wild speculations flow from that, but they don't have to. And uh, even though I disagree with that main category of interpretation, the main application which comes from it is certainly true. The main application which comes from that view is that Christ has proclaimed his victory over the fallen demons. Certainly that is true. We could think of a plainer text like Romans 8, verses 38 and 39. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So I, I don't agree with that, that basic uh, approach, but 
There are many who take that route, and certainly that application is true, even if this text is not giving us that application. Well, what's the second big category of views? The second big category of views is that the spirits in prison in verse 19 are humans who had a body but no longer have a body. They are now spirits in hell. And I believe that John Calvin and Augustine of Hippo long before him and many others are correct in going this direction. And when we put verse 19 together with verse 20, which is the direction the text takes us, we see then this, that there are those who formerly did not obey, verse 20, and their bodies were destroyed in the flood. And because of that, they no longer have a body. They are spirits in prison, in hell. The question is then asked, how did Christ preach to them? Christ preached to them through Noah. Turn back with me to chapter 1 of 1 Peter. Chapter 1 of 1 Peter. And we're going to look at verses 10 and 11. 1 Peter 1, verses 10 and 11. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating, indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. What was true preaching in the Old Testament? It was the voice of Christ. It was the Spirit of Christ in them working to proclaim the good news in Old Testament form. Christ preached to those who formerly disobeyed in the days of Noah in spirit in spirit existence, but a living word through his prophets, specifically through his preacher of righteousness, Noah. They did not obey. They did not heed the warning. Their bodies were wiped away by the waters of the flood and their spirits are in prison forever. And so, brothers and sisters, here is the second place that we see a call to repent in our text without the word repentance being there. It's there in the picture. Repent. There's safety in repentance. There's safety in hearing the voice of Christ through his faithful servants, his Old Testament prophets, his New Testament ministers, their safety in heeding the good news. 
there is judgment when there is unbelief. So, brothers and sisters, a parallel text is 2 Peter 3, verses 9 and 10. And here we do see the actual word repentance. And it comes after the Apostle Peter has just spoken about the waters of judgment that destroyed the world that then was. He has just spoken about that again in 2 Peter 3, verse 6, and then that leads to 2 Peter 3, verses 9 and 10. It's over just a page or two from our text. 2 Peter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promises as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. And then the heavens will pass away with a roar. And the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. The Lord comes back in the hours that remain in this day. And the world perishes again, not with water, but with fire. Will you have heard the good news delivered before the day of judgment? Will you, by repentance and faith in Christ, be safe? Because there is security in Christ. There is security in the actual baptism of being united to Christ. And that takes us to our second point. And that takes us to verse 21 where we have the clarifying word. Because verse 21 says, Baptism saves you. But it doesn't just say that. We have the explanatory parentheses in between. What does Peter mean when he says, baptism now saves you? What kind of baptism saves you? Not as a removal of dirt from the body. Not the outward sign of water which can take dirt away. but actual baptism saves you. An appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And here is the third place we see repentance in our text without the actual word repentance. Because what is an appeal to God for a good conscience? It's coming to God and pleading for the forgiveness of sins because unless our sins are forgiven, we cannot have a good conscience. But we use the word appeal because we're not just talking about that, uh, that appeal to have our sins forgiven because it's an appeal through Christ. We are not standing on our own unrighteousness. We appeal for the forgiveness of sins through the righteous one and his resurrection power. That is actual baptism. And that does save you. 
Now let's go back and look at the picture because baptism corresponds to the picture of the ark and the waters of judgment in verses 19 and 20. When we think about that picture of baptism and the picture of safety on the ark by which a few, that is eight persons, were safe. What does, uh, what does uh, the ark do? It was built with the perfect dimensions of seaworthiness. The ark kept Noah and his whole family safe all the way to the end. And they were delivered into a new world different from the world that then perished. Jesus Christ lived the life of perfect righteousness in every way. And he delivers his people to the very end. He will not lose anyone. And he delivers us into a new world, which is different from the world that then perished. But of course, it is not like the deliverance of Noah and his family, where they came into a new world, which was in some ways rougher than the old World, which was still a sin-cursed world. No, when Jesus delivers us into the new world, he delivers us into the new heavens and the new earth. He holds us perfectly secure. He delivers us fully. No one will be lost from his hand. Baptism corresponds to, is a picture of, Salvation. Now, brothers and sisters, the corresponding picture from verses 19 and 20 where does the outward sign fit in? Well, there is a close relationship between word and sacrament. And if we look for the place where the outward sign fits in, the outward preaching of Noah is where the outward sign of baptism fits in to the illustration. It is a blessing. It is valuable. It is a proclamation of salvation. And anyone who heeded the preaching of, of Noah's righteous preaching, they had the invitation. And it has been said, and I'm going to follow somewhat here uh, again, uh, Reverend Grassman. It has been said that, we don't know for sure, but likely Noah employed some of the men of his wicked generation to help him build the ark. And so here you have a generation which has heard repeatedly the preaching of Noah. Noah is called a preacher of righteousness in the New Testament in 2 Peter. 
and they have seen the sign of safety. They have seen the place of safety. They have perhaps worked on it with their own hands. They know the floor plan of the place of safety. They have maybe the pitch of the ark stained upon their hands. But they do not heed. This is this is where this is where the outward sign fits into the illustration that Peter gives to us. Baptism corresponds to this, the outward preaching of Noah is where the outward sign of baptism fits in. And so anyone who has been raised in this church, they have the outward sign. You have the floor plan, the theology of God's salvation in your mind. I hope so clearly that it's like a stain of pitch upon your hands. Now the question for you and for everyone here is, do you just do you just have the stain of the seal? Do you just have the knowledge of the floor plan or do you do you trust in the deliverer? Do you trust in the one who saves because that is actual baptism. That is salvation. You must come to Christ by faith. Question answer 72. A faithful summary of 1 Peter 3, verse 21. Does this outward washing with water itself wash away sins? No, only Jesus Christ's blood and the Holy Spirit cleanse us from all sins. But again, in Christ, we are saved. The ark is just a frail picture for as powerful and seaworthy as it was. It is just a frail picture of the security of actual baptism of the unlosable safety of being in Christ's hand. Indeed, he does rule over all. We have an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who is the ascended Lord with power over all things. That is the victory. He is the victor. That is security. When we trust in Jesus Christ, we will be carried to the end. And we will be delivered into not, not another sin-cursed world. We will be delivered into the true new world. Our theme tonight was short. The security of actual baptism in Christ. It was the simply 
stated sentence. We could add three words in the middle. The security of actual, not just water, baptism in Christ. We could add three more words at the start. Repent and know the security of actual, not just water, baptism in Christ. Amen. Let us pray. We are unrighteous. You are the God of righteousness. And there is righteous and complete salvation.